first thing I want to ask about is the performance with the film. Uh, you said you made the music first, and then the <laughs> film came after. In what ways for you did the sound, the oral part of the performance, um, connect with the war and your feelings about it? I mean, the whole story is that uh, when this second Iraq war started, I was about to, or I worked on a composition which I was asked to work on for a festival in Austria, and the theme should have been deep sound, like low, low frequencies. Low frequencies. Okay. And uh, basically I thought more about dub, pop uh, stuff, which I do sometimes also, but uh, at that moment I thought that that's what I'm going to do. And then uh, when, the start, when, the, when the war started, I uh, kind of couldn't come up with this pop anymore. There was no pop left in me. There was all depression. And so these low frequencies were still there, but they didn't form a song anymore. They, they were more towards my depression and my, what can I do against this war? And so that was then the thing also I presented at the festival. <coughs> and which festival was it? Uh, Donau Festival, which okay. is a big festival. And this was in uh, 2000? And two, I guess. Okay. And, uh, and then I was asked from the Museum of Modern Art to perform this piece again. And first, I hate to play solos. And second, I kind of didn't want to go back to this material because it was also depressing for me and still is. So basically going back to this material for me is always like really bringing me down. And yeah, but I was asking then I thought, okay, I cannot do <coughs> the same thing anyway. So what I wanted to do and ask Michaela for is to have kind of a reflection on the whole thing and the second Iraq war was the first war ever um, that was screened 24 hours a day on CNN. And we all saw these pictures and it went on and on and on. And basically this video is telling the story of uh, watching the war and eventually it becomes a wallpaper because you just cannot see it anymore and then you become so used to it that it blurs out it's just it disappears you you don't you you cannot live with it you 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 get used to it but uh you cannot have it consciously always with you so you kind of blur it out and that's what the video is about mm -hmm. and i thought that's especially in this museum context and i thought that's more interesting to sit down there and play my composition mm -hmm. Yeah. So now when you, you did it, you're using the materials you constructed for the piece and mm -hmm. you manipulate them in real time. Yeah. So it's kind of like you said, an improvisation mm -hmm. on those on right. things. Yeah.
Can you talk a little bit about how the software works and, and how you utilize mm -hmm. it? Because a lot of people, when they see a lap, laptop, they don't really yeah. have any understanding whatsoever what someone's doing with it mm -hmm. when they perform. The problem is that if you see a saxophone player, I think you also do not know what he's doing actually. Yeah, but you believe you do. <laughs> I mean, maybe you know, but people in the audience think they know what the saxophone player does, but they have no idea, I think. And as, uh, as there is a few, if at all, saxophones player that would build their own instrument, I have to admit that I have no idea what I'm doing on the computer because I do not understand it as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not a programmer, I'm a user, mm -hmm. and I cannot explain your program that I've, I've not Well, I don't mean it. so much like that because that would be completely confusing for yeah. me too since I'm not very technically oriented. But I mean, when you're, when you're working with sounds, you create mm -hmm. the sounds and then run them through different process that you know what uh, will happen. Like basically, if you could talk a little bit about how you deal with a performance. Mm -hmm. Especially since you don't like to do solo yeah. work so much when you're, let's say, improvising mm -hmm. completely with somebody or working yeah. on material. With, with so, I mean, the, the basic sources are, parts, in parts, is, it is samples that I use since a long time. And the other part is uh, sounds that I either get fitted into from another musician or that I create in the moment in the computer. And the samples... Uh, I use, <clears throat> I do also not use as the sample as they were recorded, mm -hmm. but I treat them, process them. So, um, and the good thing about it is that I know them because I have, I did most of the samples I play with. I loaded in, in 1995. So it's like a guitar player knows his strings, I know my samples and I can kind of tell where it goes mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, I mean the, the, what, what most of the musicians would say is very boring that I still have the samples from 95 <laughs> is actually what I'm experimenting with mm -hmm. to, to get a kind of control over my instrument that would be different if I would play every day with different sources mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but uh, yeah as with that, any other instrument, and I did play instruments, so I know what I'm talking about, I st still can surprise myself, of course. It's not that I do not invent sometimes things voluntarily or involuntarily. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I have a kind of a control over it, and uh, I can basically take a saxophone sound and play a, a drum sound with it, or vice versa, make mm -hmm. a from sample sound more like a saxophone mm -hmm. or yeah uh, yeah and the other thing is live processing mm -hmm. and the way you uh, interface you have these like uh, the sliders basically bring mm -hmm. up levels so you're running multiple is it one program or is it multiple programs where the program has multiple sections that yeah. you're bringing them out it is one program that uh, basically you can build within that program you can build your own instrument because you've got let's say 100 patches you can choose from and okay. so when I play solo I have a different system than if I play with a band or I play a different thing with 
a saxophone player and then with a drummer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so what, whatever I need, I prepare before like I assemble okay. the different patches and use it. And the sliders are basically uh, the MIDI faders are because you would have only one finger on the trackpad and the MIDI faders allow me to treat several parameters at the same time. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's not just a volume thing, it changes the parameters? No, everything. I can, I, I can say let the new sound in or mm -hmm. do not let it pass or I can say pitch or I can say volume or start and end and okay. yeah. All the things in thousands of parameters. And one thing that strikes me is that you never listen ahead of time to what you're assembling. You kind of do yeah. it in real time, and what you're hearing happens at the moment that, let's mm -hmm. say, if I'm playing with you or somebody else's, they hear it. Yeah. Is that, uh, I mean, that's obviously a choice, <laughs> but uh, is that so that this element of surprise is in there as well? Because, like, like you said, you know the instrument. <laughs> Yeah. work with it but some, somehow yeah. you're creating something and you don't know exactly what it's yeah. doing. Yeah, but I mean basically I know I can't like I I wouldn't be able to sing along with like mm -hmm. Okay. No. But uh, I know what will come out. So yeah. okay. I, I I I cannot completely I mean of course you can always completely yeah. fail but yeah. the idea is that I do not completely okay. to the performance tonight both with Joe uh, most explicitly with Joe's uh, poem that mm -hmm. he made a song out of and then the the film and music connected to the Iraq mm -hmm. second Iraq war um, I mean musicians and artists everybody lives in the time they're in and the politics of the time whether directly or indirectly they affect them mm -hmm. I mean uh, do you think that artists in, you know, in your opinion, have a responsibility to deal with the politics in some kind of explicit way, like in, for the examples tonight, mm -hmm. or is that something that you personally are invested in, or how do you feel about yeah. that? Should the politics be explicit? I, I mean, no, the politics doesn't have to be explicit, but I think the artist has to be aware that he's responsible mm -hmm. once he's up on stage because he's influencing people down there and he doesn't have to sing stop the war but he's still up there and people look up to him and uh, so uh, he, he shouldn't come like behave like a complete asshole mm -hmm. and uh, I, I wish more artists would care about politics in a, in a, but I mean it doesn't have to be on stage that mm -hmm. they're explicit they can go down from stage and talk to their fans or friends or 
other people mm -hmm. and uh, yeah because I also don't think that that I or at least for me this artist thing never existed because I'm not an artist I'm first a normal person like everybody else and one of the things I do is I play music but the other thing is I'm also aware of the politics around me mm -hmm. and I do also eat and I do also drink and I do everything that everybody here is doing and then I do music and maybe somebody else does his carpentry mm -hmm. but yeah I'm, I'm not an artist in, in, I, I never saw that mm -hmm. like it. Mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm, I'm a member of the community and I have to take care about what's happening around me and even if I say I do not uh, I do not care I'm part of it, so there is no way out of that. Mm -hmm. You are responsible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've worked together for a long time, so some of the questions I have we've talked about already, but the way you got to performing music mm -hmm. is, I think, quite interesting. I mean, you've got a, a, a fascinating background uh, with your family and the things that you were exposed mm -hmm. to in terms of recordings and stuff. How did you get to the point where music performance became part of your uh, life? Uh, that that was an incident actually because I I was I met with a friend. We both were um, how do you say um, conscious objectors of military service in mm -hmm. Austria and uh, we both went into jail for it and we had a group organized uh, to like to organize people who are in this situation and one of my friends was a punk and I did listen to free jazz and we were really interested in each other like he would play me some punk stuff that I thought is really awesome and I I taught him free jazz which he thought is awesome and then we sometimes met in his house and just played mm. Maybe we had a friend who was a painter and he once was invited to paint a room like this, the walls. And so he said, if you want to do music along this, so it was an 18 hours concert. Oh, wow. <laughs> but but it, yeah, it was not a concert, it yeah. was, we did it. Mm. And then there were some people, they asked if we would do something again and we said yes. And at that there were people. So kind of everywhere I played at that time? some people that asked again. Were you playing guitar at the time or? I played uh, like, how do you say, little instruments and guitar and saxophone. And uh, uh, what time was this? What year? Uh, 87. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. So it started off with like a, this kind of DIY sort of approach to music that led to like, yeah, you I mean, lessons, I, you just mess around that, with the That was a time when I, when I still thought that first musicians are a great bunch of guys, which I do not anymore. And, uh, and second, when I thought you have to be a kind of a virtuoso in order to play music. And later on, I, I found that there is, we talked about this, there is two ways mm -hmm. to see music. The one is the virtuoso way, and the other way is the idea thing, like let's say Velvet Underground versus Frank Zappa and uh, so I started to organize concerts for musicians 
free jazz and art rock by the time I organized concert for Brötzmann or Fred Frith and blah 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 and then for example Fred Frith was one of those guys who told me and taught me that when he started he he couldn't really play the guitar but he had some ideas he wanted to get out and that was kind of okay then mm -hmm. I I tried as well. It's a permission sort of to do it. Yeah. Come so, yeah. And w w again, what was the question? <laughs> well, I was just wondering how um, you got to, to where you are now with the music. And, and you were saying you were first, you know, kind of experimenting and, yeah. and just messing around with sounds. And then you started programming concerts at the same time. Yeah. And then through, through this uh, organizing concerts, it like I started to know musicians, so I knew for one that not all musicians are great people, and to the other the other thing I learned is that a musician is somebody like me, or I'm the same as a musician before going in growing into that uh, I thought he is the stars, and I can do some i I shouldn't be a musician. Mm -hmm. Because I wouldn't not uh, be good enough. Mm -hmm. And then once I got to know them, I saw they all started, and they all, some of them, as like Jet Fair, as a perfect example, uh, <clears throat> is a guy that definitely cannot sing at all, but he makes the best of it, and he learned what to do with the little he got. And he, he's incredible. I love him. He's doing great stuff. And Lou Reed hates him for that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, well, I have one, one last question and we'll open it up. Um, we've talked a lot about cinema, like uh, mm -hmm. filmmakers yeah. that we like. Um, has that interest had any kind of impact on the music you make? Will you construct things at all, or is it just something you enjoy and you pursue it on its own terms? Well, I mean, it has as much impact as everything else, like politics or music or a good meal. Mm -hmm. I mean, a film, of course, uh, there is films where I could say they directly uh, inspired me to do things, which is, for example, the the Godard movie um, El Apoma, mm. which is in so many ways incredible on the, on the soundtrack that it directly influenced me. But on the other hand, it's it's art in general and life in general inspires me for music. It's not necessarily music that inspires mm -hmm. me to make music. Mm -hmm. It's everything around that has an impact on what I play that day or in general or in phases I go through. So a complete, it's a complete overlap, like life and experience, all those yeah. things feed yeah. into the loop. Yeah.
Has anybody got any questions for Krista? Okay, we'll say, how do I feel like? It's actually a question for both of you about mid to break, your collaborative project. Um, I mean, I, I was very interested, Ken, in some of the questions you asked about his part of the work behind his computer, but my question is really for both. Uh, when you compose for mid to break, I can understand how you would compose for Tim or for Jasper or for yourself. What do you write for Christoph? How is it that you compose his parts? How do you put that in writing? And the question for Christoph about Made to Break, listening to you guys on Friday, um, I was able to tell when you were doing live processing, Ken's playing, because it's easier to recognize, obviously, a saxophone uh, mm. uh, from your part. But I couldn't really tell when you were live processing the drums or the bass, how much live processing actually happens during the Made to Break shows, as opposed to your playing samples. I mean, the, the one thing I have to say up front is that I sometimes sample an instrument and keep it in and then I pros and then I use it in a part where I should play a sample. Like there is parts where, I, where, where I, whatever, I can play a solo. So I do not process anybody, but sometimes I keep something and treat it. You wouldn't know that it's a saxophone or a drum I sampled originally maybe, but uh, I keep it and think, okay, that, that's something I, I want to use later. And uh, otherwise, I think the, the material, the prepared material I have is maybe half-half with the processing I do. And then again, the pieces are written in a way that, let's say, I sample half the time I sample the saxophone and the rest is divided between bass and drums often depending on how it sounds that they like the feet can sometimes it's impossible to to get a good drum sound into the computer or sometimes the same is so with the bass <coughs> No I ideally I have 3 I brought the mixer with me that later I found out I couldn't connect here because I also brought a transformer, transformator, uh, yeah, transformer, yeah. a transformer, which didn't work. But of course, you cannot try that in Austria. You have to go to the US to try it. And <laughs> so uh, now I know. <laughs> and you went to the American embassy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, and. So I had two. I have two ins on the sound card, and this time I basically only process two instruments, unless in the studio where I had a mixer from the studio. Yeah. 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 From my side, um, the process of writing the music, like it was the idea first, and the idea to get, make it super simple was to try to construct uh, a method that could be manipulated in real time so the structural components weren't fixed and i've been working on that with different kinds of groups for a while and with made to break i, f I feel like i found the strongest solution so far and of course the irony is that no one knows that but the band because we're always playing in a different place so the concert friday was different than the concert uh, in Milwaukee a couple of days earlier and different than the studio the day before, even though the written pieces were the same. The way 
within that piece, the decision to move to different parts is very open and fluid. So the players are constantly really forced to make real creative decisions in real time and not become complacent. That was kind of the idea. And part of that idea initially was um, when I approached Christoph, the, the, the concept or, you know, invited him to join the group and see if he wanted to do it, was that, that he would be, let's say, a randomizer that the composed elements would be dealt with by myself and Tim and the bassist. Um, and then, then Christoph would just confront us, so to speak, or uh, knock things around. So we would, even within the structural thing that was fluid, there was this added element that would make it even harder to predict what would happen. But the problem with that was my ignorance about density. And initially, um, for Christoph to do his work and have it be audible in a way, there was too much happening and it was just kind of jammed on top of things. So if you hear the, the early records, there's been a real progression on my end, I think, at getting better at figuring out how to give Christoph leeway. Because there was a lot of leeway in the beginning for everybody else. Um, I didn't have a sense of the best way to utilize Christoph's capabilities. So there's been a motion in that direction to try to incorporate Christoph more clearly in the band and leave more space for his sounds. It shows in the records. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah th those artifacts definitely indicate the progression. And, I, you know, it also is like I had an idea, but you had to work the idea. And even though I could try to explain to everybody what I wanted to do, the only way to do it is to do it. And kind of, and now, I mean, like the difference between you know, since Yasser's in the band now for the second record that we just recorded, um, he's done two with us and he's done several tours now. I mean, it's much easier to explain the new pieces because the basic conception of how we can utilize the components we get now. So like we learned most of the material like within two days um, and then when he started touring with it and okay, it would have been nice to have more rehearsal time, but it was very rapid, the progression with the material, and figuring out, okay, what can we do to give Christoph more room, or how this piece should be adapted, or what kinds of things Christoph would do. Oh, you know, this piece, initially it was open-ended, but now this one section he's working with his samples, another section he's processing me, and it's about a duo between us with Tim and Jasper manipulating the rhythmic components under us and intentionally having them play quieter than they normally do. So you can really hear the articulation between what, so I can hear Christoph well enough to bounce off of him and like pick up his feed and let's say in some cases imitate what he's doing. So all that took time, you know, and, and part of the joy of doing a project like that is that you learn and, and you discover like, okay, there's the idea, the concept is one thing, but the implement, uh, the implementation of it, <laughs> whatever word that is, uh, that's another thing, you know, and it took time, and, and, and it's, you know, I, I'm excited by the fact that it gets better because there's more room for everybody and more chance for everybody in the band to do things against what they normally would do, atypical. It's, um, it's interesting because that was my perception while this, I was listening to the records before coming here today, and the perception I had was precisely that their only record, or maybe first two records, it's more as if he was adding more color or attention, mm -hmm. attention here and there. But the, the band sounds so integrated now. Really. Yeah, well, thank you. I feel in, that's in a true. way that I think it's growing. Mm -hmm. No, I would, I would, I would agree with that for sure.
Um, another question for Christoph. <laughs> Michael. So I know you lived in Berlin. I know you lived in Vienna for quite a while. You spent some time in, uh, in, in South America. Uh, I also know that you're an avid music listener, and I have the attendee at concerts for many, many years, and you've seen everything. What today in Europe is standing out for you, or anywhere for that matter, in music especially? Hmm. That's a hot question. Well, I mean, you uh, sort of answered it by your, you curated this festival in Wales last year, and you yeah. brought in all these mm -hmm. amazing, diverse artists that I mm -hmm. thought was incredible. So that's part of the answer, but for those who yeah, the, there. The, <laughs> the, the problem is that I, I'm interested in many, many music, or let's say in all, maybe minus operetta. And <laughs> And so I guess in all of these, in all of the rest of the music, 95% is shit and 5% is really interesting. And it doesn't make a difference between jazz and techno and rock and whatever. And so this 5% of all these musics is such a lot to listen to that I, I wouldn't be able to name something that is like Outstanding, or I wouldn't even say this kind of music is the most interesting at the moment. I mean, that, that is 20 years ago when I would have said, let's say, what in hip hop, that was a moment where I thought, okay, here's something happening. But now I, I, there's, there's nothing uh, completely new and overwhelming. But at the same time, there's so much good music out that I, I have no moment to, to, like, to be bored about what ha what's happening today. Mm. And of course, you have some artists that you especially like, because whatever, because maybe they are politically explicit or mm. because they made a strange move within the last years or things like that. But no, I... Like, and also the, the festival, for example, I did, I was very satisfied with what I invited, but if, if you would give me money to invite who I want to invite, it would be different. For example, <laughs> one thing... are expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, not even expensive, but uh, the problem is that uh, uh, the flight companies uh, always get more than the musicians these yeah. days. And so, for example, to invite the Cumbia band, which I would really love to, uh, I know some of them because I, I part of my life I spent in Latin America. Uh, it, it's impossible. It's just impossible for the money that the flight company earns on a cumbia band. You can do five really great European bands, and that's the problem. Mm -hmm. So the festival that you want to do will never will never happen. Mm -hmm. uh, well, maybe then more in terms of not individual uh, artists but scenes. Because I know you get around a lot. Where, where do you think it's bubbling? Where do you think it's dry? Where do you think the next thing is coming? Where the next community is picking up? Mm -hmm. You know, but I I really do not know. I have no idea. I mean, I as long as I uh, look at different scenes in the world, I always see an up and down. That be in Buenos Aires or in Vienna or in Berlin, mm -hmm. it's always waves. So. I, I wouldn't be able to say there's something that's really developing 
without say, telling you that half a year before it was really down. One word, exploitation, veiled by religious and political illusions, naked, shameless, direct.